All right, welcome to episode 127. Here at the house is Brett Eldridge. It's good to see you, man. Good to see you. 127, lucky number. Yeah. Is it? You know, yeah. I was looking at your Instagram. And I, uh, all, it was a shot of you leaning into the crowd this weekend, and and what was cool about it was, and we listen, we all post pictures of, of yeah. crowds because it's exciting to us to have yeah. people that care. Like that's listen, when I post a picture and there are people like at a, at a show of mine, it's exciting to me oh, yeah. because people care. Yeah, and I'm like, check it out, people actually care. It's a, it, yeah. to me a bit, it's a bit self serving because I want to. I'm just like, wow, I can't believe people care. Yeah. But there's this picture of you, and you're kind of singing into the crowd, and everybody has their phone up. Everybody mm-hmm. has their phone up. Yeah, it had a little bit of a double meaning, honestly, because it is amazing. But then I'm sitting here also looking at it like, oh, my God, there's so many phones. I mean, so many. And, I mean, and you can see how happy everybody is. But also, I mean, I was just, I was looking at, like, old pictures in the crowd of, like, when people didn't used to have phones. And, it, I mean, you just maybe somebody had, like, a little camera. But now it's just, like, that picture blew me away. What do you like, think about the phone thing? Some artists fight it like they they really hate it. I'm I'm in the middle, you know. I mean, I, I, it just depends if they're watching and filming or if they're film. You know what I mean? Like some people literally watch through their screen and they're not even really watching the show. But okay, I, to be devil's advocate on that, yeah. If that's how they watch a show, yeah, isn't that how they watch a show? Yeah. Now, now I'm going to totally contradict myself. Yeah. Because we do two different things. You go out and you play music and you mm-hmm. play songs that people know. Now, I go out, and I'll give you an example. I did uh, two stand-up shows this weekend. Hmm. I don't let people record my show for the first 90% of it because if my material gets out, it's dead. Yeah, it's already dead. So there are no phones. That's awesome. And it's so hypocritical because I go, <laughs> if you're at a concert, record the whole show if you yeah, want. Yeah. But for me, then I go, yeah. eh, 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 no phones. Yeah. So I'm t- I, I literally, I'm kind of the same way. I see both sides. Like Part of me is like, I think it's awesome because then they're, they're showing they're having a good time and then their friends might want to come have a good time and see it too. Then the other side is, are they actually watching the show? Are they, does I mean, it matter if they're really watching the show? It, but do they even have to watch? Can they not watch with their ears? Can yeah, they not yeah. experience yeah, it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm both, I agree on both sides. I'm like, part of me, they are there at least. You know, I think it's, it's, it is what it is at this point. Um, some artists will be like, you can't, they hate fi- it. you can't fight it. They're like Kip hates it. Oh, I know. He hates it. <laughs> He'll tell you right yeah. now. He, he, but it's almost like when artists would fight downloads. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you know, or st- it's fighting streaming. Yeah. Then it was fighting. You can either get with it yeah. or have it leave you. Yeah. And, and we have a picture of this up now. I mean, yeah. look at this. That's e- so wild. Every, but that's just the culture. What you're seeing yeah, in this picture is the culture right now. Yep. This one girl, by the way, and uh, we'll have a video up, but this one girl has her phone up, and she has the cash in the back of her phone like a Oh, wallet. yeah. I, I, I called her out on she it, She is balling with the cash right there. Yeah. I told her that. I said, uh, hey, you, you don't drop that cash. She had like 320s in the back of there. If I had 320s, she's pretty young. At that age, I'd be like, I'd be living big right there. But look at... Again, something else to notice from this picture. Look at all the females. Like, yeah. if I were a dude, let me just speak to the dudes that are watching this. Yeah. Go to a Brett Eldridge show. Yeah. Because there are a lot of females <laughs> in a Brett Eldridge show. Yeah. Look at. You see the dudes? I mean, there's some dudes, but they're way in the back. There's like, um, what do you mean, see the dudes? All, yeah. I mean, all three of them? They stick like, out like sore thumbs. The guy's mouth's wide open, like, and I was like, I, there's so many beautiful girls here. Look, look at that. 
Yeah, that's it is wild though. I mean, like, like I said, it's it's it's. Uh, I posted it because I love the photo, but also it's like this is literally where we are. You're right. This is this is the culture of. It just is what it is, and and uh, I mean, you can't really. You could. I guess you can fight it. You can fight it, but it's gonna be punching the water. Yeah. Eventually, the water always wins. Yeah. You can be a mountain. Okay, good for you, mountain. But the water is eventually going to wear you down. Yeah. And that's what fighting technology as an artist mm-hmm. is like. You're just fighting the water. Can you hold it back a bit with a dam? Sure. Yeah. But okay, see what a water does over ten thousand years. Oh yeah. But yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool picture. Look that's at, wild. That. So what? What is that picture from? That's uh, that's in Iowa, uh, at a at a at a festival. I remember sending you a note, and I don't. You were somewhere in the Midwest, I believe, and you were playing a, like a. a an amphitheater, and you, yeah. were, you were headlining. Yeah. And, it, and, I, and I was watching you, and I said, you know, I was like, man, and I would say you and I are friendly. Yeah. We don't not know each other, but we don't hang out. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to hang out with anybody. But we, yeah. Same here. But, but I feel like I was proud for you because like, you were headlining a real-life venue. And I yeah. sent you a note, and I was like, dude, I know we ain't boys or anything, but a little bit of me, like my heart's warm for you right now yeah. because I felt good for you. Well, I, I, it is – it's it's a journey. I mean, you know, just like you know, just like me, you, you you fight so long to go, you know, speak or play in these little places for so long, and then and you're a lot of the time I've been opening for somebody for so long, and and you play forty five minutes, and don't get me wrong, those forty five minutes have been huge for me, but I've waited a long time to get to that headline. Are people going to show up? I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, well, I know some are going to show up. Is that a thing though? Because I go through it too. If I announce a tour, yeah. I go, I don't know if anybody's going to come. And you're yeah. kind of embarrassed. Yeah. And you're wondering if everybody else is going to be embarrassed if you don't sell too. Oh, I know. <sighs> it's like an insecurity on yourself. Of You should probably give yourself credit that knowing that there's a lot of people that love you. But at that point, you feel like no one knows who, who yeah. the hell you are at that point. So uh, it is a scary feeling. And then, you know, then you end up showing up and these people know every song and they're so passionate. And, and it's not just 45 minutes. It's an hour and... 20 or hour and 30 of all even the even the album cuts even the ones that you know no one ever hears live and you get to play them you get to tell those stories and that's that's pretty special you know talk to me for a second because a lot of artists especially when you play a, a big place and you have the middle to late slot you'll put these things in your ears yeah. uh, mo- whatever you call them monitors, monitors you call yeah. mirrors you know so you know and i use them too but i'm not real you know, uh-huh. when my band plays, we're not real. You're real. You're entertaining, though. Okay, but listen, we're not real. You're real. You have, you're a real band. Real, but so that pretty much seals off the sound, right? Yes. So when you, uh, have, when you have them both in, what can you hear, actually? It is one of my least favorite things about playing live. And great things because you, you, you don't blow your voice out as much because you're not pushing as hard. Well, I mean, but there's also artists. Blake still sings with just with wedges. Blake doesn't use ears. No, is that right? Yeah, I didn't know that. He still uses wedges, and and I was like, how do you do that? And I I kind of love those days because you cranked it, the wedges and everything, and he has them like side fills, and and as he walks on the thrust, he's got them everywhere. Sometimes I think that's awesome because you can hear the crowd, and he says that man. I just I tried the ears before, and I took them out because I just couldn't do it. I used to do the one ear, and that's terrible for your hearing. And what I started to do is I had them, I have them put a crowd mics in. And as long as you have no fans singing into the crowd mics. Oh, that's funny. Which I've been, I'll be like singing a note and I'll, all of a sudden, I'll, man, all of a sudden I just totally lost the key that I was in because some fans singing away off key or something into the mic. 
and they don't even really realize it. So that's the way you, you can compound it. You can also put little holes in them. Um, I can't wait what they're called. And that'll bring in some of it. But it is, it is a tough battle because you can be in a really crazy loud crowd and not even realize how loud they are because you got those ears in. I'm playing a little ignorant because I like to hear your perspective of it. But for mm. me, it, it ruined my ears a bit to wear one ear because we were playing yeah. you know, three nights a week sometimes. And there would be two, 3,000 people at our show. So I, I wanted to hear the crowd. So I go, okay, I'm going to take one ear. Well, then I started to have some sort of odd balance issue where one ear was oh, yeah. really feeling it, one wasn't, and that's where all your balance is, where this vertigo comes from. Mm-hmm. So I'd get on the bus, and I would be like, I feel like I was seasick at times. So I go, okay, I'm done with this. So I put both ears in, and we put mics in the crowd. But here's the problem, because I, again, I don't have the skill set that you have where I'm seeing, where I can sing and have rhythm, that kind of thing. Um, the crowd is about probably a quarter of a second delay yep. coming through so i would start to hear them cl- and it would totally uh, mess me up totally mine and my point with this question is sometimes because i would be like yeah i don't know if the crowd's yelling back or not yeah i just have to assume they are yeah i'm like let me hear you they, they certainly have to be screaming and if they could all just be doing this with their mouth yeah and actually making no noise and i would feel like they were cheering because yep. i really can't hear them yeah because it's sealing them off it's uh, a it is a real it's a real thing that i think i mean i guess i guess what i always have to think of is the fans out there have no idea that that's going on here. So if you just, I mean, definitely the most insecure times are when you're on stage and you're hoping that everybody's going to be going crazy and you don't, you don't know what the, every crowd's different. Every crowd might be a little harder to work. Even, you know, the biggest stars in the world, they're, they're going to notice some crowds that aren't as crazy as others, but you know that they, that, you know, you're up there for a reason and you got to scream it out, but it is, a, it is a weird feeling sometimes. You're like, and, and, and it's it's been one of my biggest struggles as an artist with with ears, and I and I you know you watch every award show, you watch every TV thing, you see somebody pull an ear out, you put one back in, pull the other one out, because it is you want to be there, and that's what that is. Mm-hmm. When, which is my point of this. Whenever you see someone pull an ear out, it's because they want to feel and hear what's actually happening in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie Poppy, who won American Idol this season, because I mm-hmm. I was on that show a bit, yeah, and so. We became friends as she won, and I was talking to her about wearing ears for the first time because a lot of oh, them yeah, that's brand, brand new to them. Yeah. And I said, hey, you're going to put these ears in, and it's going to seal you off, and it's going to feel so weird at first. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, well, so what, what happens? I said, well, you're going to hear everything perfectly, all, yeah. all the instruments, and you're going to get to mix it how you want. You want more bass? You want more drums? All of that. Is per- I said, but you're also going to hear all the flaws. Yeah. And you're going to think something's really going wrong mm-hmm. whenever the crowd has no idea. Because yep. they're getting really the macro. They're getting it from afar, and they're taking it all in all together. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear all the little bit puzzle pieces together. If, you're, if your voice is a little tired, you're going to hear that, and you're going you're to start thinking about that more. They're not going to hear that near as much. And then you start – I used to have a, a large problem with that. Have you – do you feel like as you've gotten more success – and we'll use success uh, relative term, but at, 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 you have six, six, seven, number one, six, number one, something like that? Yeah. Do you feel like the more successful that you've become, the better you're getting just simply because of confidence? Oh, yeah. Yes and no. Here's a couple of reasons. Um, I think, one, I think that that uh, the headline tour was big for me. Because, you know, I, when you don't feel like you're, you know, I mean, like I said, I'll never put down my opening slots. But when you never... When you always feel like it's not 100% your fans, or at least all your fans, you want to win them all over. But you have a little bit of, i got to always prove something. I always prove something. When you get your fans out there, you feel like you can really 100% be you even more, and you get more in a comfort spot. And so that feels awesome. 
Um, I've definitely gained more confidence. I've, 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 uh, you know, through the years, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of introverted. A lot of people don't know that, but in ways I am. Um, but when I go up on stage, I've, I, if I can get that energy, it, it's, 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 it's fuel for me. I've had times where I have no voice. Um, and I think there's no way I'm going to make it. And I, I, the whole time before the show, I'm warming up and it's cracking. It's, you know, and you start thinking about that more and more. And then you hear the crowd and there's something about it. If you got your crowd out there that can pull you through um, every time you make it somehow, it might not always sound the best, but you make it. I think that uh, the times I've ever, I ever struggled with the most were when I can't reach out and touch the crowd, like with the white chairs at festivals or whatever, which is sometimes tough. Um, and what that means is at some festivals, the yeah. VIPs, yeah, yeah. There'll, yeah. Be, there'll be some white chairs, but the VIPs are so cool, they don't want to get there till later in the night. Yep, so they're not always there. So they're not always there. So you're, the, the first 50 yards... It's splitter splatter people sitting in chairs or just white chairs. Yeah, there might be twenty thousand people behind those mm-hmm. chairs, but then and so I used to really struggle with that, and it still can be weird. I mean, even even if you're the headliner, sometimes they're not all there or whatever, and so that's that's still a little strange. But I think definitely confidence is key, even in your voice, because if you feel a little bit un- unconfident before you hit that stage, you you might. You might put overcompensate on your voice and push harder, and then you're worn out before you even get there. Yeah, it's funny we were talking about Kip with the phones, and I've Kip and I have a friendship that has grown over first fighting a yeah. lot, yeah. and then like, hey, we're both weird introverted people. Mm-hmm. Let's probably be on the same team. We had we had the same team talk at a, at a coffee shop one morning. Yeah, and our relationship has gotten actually really good since then. Yeah, so I say this as a friend, but Kip and I were sitting and. You, I think I do, Kip does, I don't know, probably you because you're an artist at heart. We have huge insecurity issues. Oh, yeah. Like we may be these larger-than-life characters on stage or behind oh, a yeah. microphone, but really it all comes down to we're searching for some kind of love. Oh, yeah. We're in some place searching for some kind of love, and mm. Kip and I were talking about watching a crowd. And for me, if I'm doing stand-up, I can't look at faces because if I see someone's face and they're not laughing, yeah. I go, oh, I must be bombing. So. I just look at the foreheads. I can't look at faces. Ah. And Kip will go, oh, I'll see someone not having a good time, and it'll throw me. It'll yep. completely throw me from doing a show. Do you, will you look down and see people not feeling it, and oh, yeah. do you let that affect you? Oh, yeah. I've had times where it really affected me. My, my thing that I've – you know, you have certain fans that are – I almost always have fans that I know are going to be repeat fans, like for different shows. And if I know they're there and if I'm feeling like – if I see some people that I don't know if they're really totally into it, it kind of messes me up. I, I, because I struggled with that for a while. Then I would start looking at my fans that are, are my diehard fans that are always there for me, and I see them singing the words. I'm like, oh man, they care, they care. And so I, I try to. That's how I've tried to figure out how to shift it, and that's helped me. But yeah, that's that is a that's a weird feeling because you're giving everything of yourself, and you know, and somebody you want every single person to feel as passionate about it as you are. And the truth is, it's never going to be, no, there's never been an artist that can do that. And I do feel it's a bit unfair for us as people, if we're on a stage performing to judge people based on just their outward reactions. Because Mm -hmm. if I'm comparing uh, myself or yourself, we're watching a movie and let's say we're watching Mm -hmm. the same movie. We may react absolutely different to watching old school. I may be laughing out loud. You may be enjoying it the same amount, but but laughing in a different way. Keeping it inside. But that doesn't mean somebody's not enjoying it as much as the other exactly. person. 
But when we step away, we it's so easy for us. You can't disconnect from that in a show. Right. It, but we, we just feel like, oh. We, I haven't thought about that. That's, that's really good to talk about that because it's, it's the hardest thing to explain to anybody. And there's so many people that get, man, I mean, I've, I've never really talked about this, but I used to get nervous about, I used to be, I'm a, I was born a warrior, like worry, anxiety, all that. And I, and so I used to, I was never uh, afraid to go on stage. I'm not like, I love to perform. I'm actually the most comfortable doing that a lot of time. But before it, I was like, if I was worn out, I'm a terrible sleep. I used to be a real bad at sleeping and all this stuff. And so I had this little period where I was not sleeping much. And then I would, I would get to the point where I was about to go on stage and I would get short of breath. I thought I was going to pass out. I have all, because I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to fail in front of all these people. I'm going to pass out or something, which, you know, you're not going to die from passing out in front of everybody. And I'm probably not going to pass out, but I was telling myself that. So I was learning that. So I had all these, these things and all these things, because you're about to go give all yourself and you don't want to see yourself fail. And I, I don't have that anymore, really. I mean, you still have some days where you're like, God, I'm so tired. I, you know, sometimes you're headlining a festival or a show at 11 o'clock at night. I wake up at seven o'clock, so you have the whole day to think about a show, and and I've had to try to figure out ways to keep your mind busy. You're here for a reason. You're you're playing this show because people are coming here to love you. But it is a it's a complete mind game as a performer. You give, you know, it's a major sacrifice throughout that all day to to be up there for an hour and a half, and you and you have to get your mind right to that that part of the show. You it's know, like an athlete, even. Yep. You know, it's a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. You got your 90 minutes to perform. Yep. And it all is inside that 90 minutes. Yep. And then if you don't, you got a lot of game tape to watch oh, until yeah. it's the next time. And you're going to think about it. Yeah. You can't not think about it. Yeah. You know? Let me talk about LifeLock for just one second. Okay, so wishing someone happy birthday on social media may seem innocent enough, but fraudsters can piece together information from various places to hack accounts. Once they do that, they can snatch sensitive data, including payment info. And social media is a great way to connect, but there's also a lot of information out there. That's the deal. Information, all of a sudden, your information, criminals get it. Good thing, at least for me and probably for you, that LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. If you have a problem, their agents will work to fix it. No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft or monitor transactions at all businesses, but new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover threats that you might otherwise miss. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code BONES for an extra 10% off for your first year. That's the promo code BONES for an extra 10% off. All right, so you talk about sleeping. Mm-hmm. I have, I've had real bad issues with sleeping, and mm-hmm. a lot of mine comes from a mild PTSD stuff. I got jumped and robbed at gunpoint, stuff like that, you know, yep. uh, anxiety issues from that. What, what's your issue with sleeping? What was it? Anxiety. Just, just, I mean, my worrying old, about what do you know? Dumb stuff. I mean, you know, thought, I mean, honestly, I, so, I mean, I, I tried everything. I mean, you, you, I, mean I, I, I would try medication. I would try whatever it was, um, to try to get sleep never like a problem with it i would just you know i'd try to figure it out would you stay sick i stayed sick I oh stayed yeah constantly run sick down a lot. i wasn't getting and, it. and if if you feel like you're never gonna get out of it and it's not like i still don't have bad nights of sleep but i didn't sleep great last night but it doesn't mean like you know if you tell yourself you're not gonna you're not a good sleeper you're not gonna be a good sleeper you know what i mean like if a lot of the time 
You um, do the thing where you close your eyes and you go, if I fall asleep right now, I get five hours, 27 minutes, oh yeah, 13 yeah. seconds. Yeah, and then, you, then, uh, then another hour goes by and I got this. Four hours, 27 yeah. minutes, and 13 seconds. Yeah. And I, so. I tried the, um, I tried antidepressants for a while. I yep. tried um, uh, Xanax, the Alprazolam yep. for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've tried, I've tried everything but smoking weed. Yep. And I, I was talking to a friend even today because I've never, I've never had drink alcohol yep. or, or smoke weed, but I want to do both, but I just know I would do all the both. Like mm-hmm. I, if I started, I would just do it You'll all. You love it all. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I would just be like, I'll take that and I'll have all of that and go ahead and give me the rest of all of that. That's, yeah, yeah. that's just how I live my life mm-hmm. everything. But I went to the dentist today just to get a, a, a fix. They put a temporary on and they gave me the laughing gas. Yeah. I got so high. Yeah. And that I don't, I don't relax. I have, a tr- I have trouble relaxing just mm-hmm. in general. I got so high. I became so relaxed. I started to have these really deep, emotional, sharing within myself thoughts. And I'm like, man, if this is what it's like to get high, I got to do this. Yeah. And, and, and I felt like I could go to sleep or I could stay awake. I just felt great. Yeah. So I was talking to a friend and she was like, you should try the, the gummies. But I hear Snoop Dogg talk about this stuff and he's like, don't eat it. Oh yeah, he's like you can't control it if you if you eat that it. Stuff is, you can't control it, man. I just don't like. There's hot too many. Stuff, there's though. too many bad eating. I don't. I don't like hot. This smoking anything seems like it would just be pain on the lung. I don't even smoke a cigarette. Yeah, I've actually never smoked a cigarette. That 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 heat going into the. I don't even like. I don't even drink coffee. Yeah. Really? I, I mean, no, I've, I've tasted coffee once. No way. I'm not against coffee. Yeah, I mean, it's not a moral thing. I would go, I would go to <laughs> oh, a, church of coffee. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, but for, I have issues with sleeping. But it also sounds like when you talk that have you been to therapy? Because you sound like oh yeah. So, okay, I can because again, I'm just looking. At I'm, me, I'm, I'm you. like I'm very and I've, and I've I've just recently started becoming very open with it because I I mean I feel like everybody should go to therapy. Honestly, dude, me too. It's I mean, my life. It, it's it, it's for me too, and it's not like you're not crazy, you're not whatever. It, we all have anxieties. We all have worries. We all have, I mean, you, it's human, the most human thing. We were, this is how we're built. And for me, it, it got to a place where I was like, I'm not, I'm really good at covering that up. And I wasn't like depressed or like major, I was just always worried about stuff and it totally throws your body out of a whack. And so I was, I was like, I'm, I'm tired of doing this. So I actually got into mindfulness so meditating really helped me a lot. Are you able to do that? I have trouble. It's hard. I have trouble. It's hard. I mean, I've been doing it for like a year and a half. Like um, transcendental? Like what kind of meditation? Just like mostly to sign. Like I, so I did the apps. So I did. I started with Headspace. Tell, was, tell me about that. I, I've done the sleep app. I haven't done any mm, meditation. Headspace is great. It just kind of walks you through. Or it's not like one of those things where you're feeling very sleepy or, you know, whatever. It's very much like, all right, um, now take your, now, uh, now, you might feel yourself, your mind wandering and having all these thoughts throughout the day, whatever. Now, take it back to the breath. And so you, you, you switch your focus back to the breath and you, and you just focus on your breath. It's pretty much just training your brain to see thoughts as just thoughts because we have thousands of thoughts every day. All of them, almost all of them are crap. They're just right. worthless. You know what I mean? And you can tell I've studied a lot of this, but it is the truth. We have so many thoughts. So I think the most that it's taught me is to not sweat that stuff as much not that i don't still i mean you still you never get rid of anxiety you just have a different relationship with it i think through a lot of different things i've i've got a different relationship with it and i i mean i used to not be able to enjoy tour and all that kind of stuff near as much because you'd always be worrying about worrying about feeling this way then you're feeling more that way and it's like it doesn't have to be that way and so i think 
now the more I've got. Uh, and I've, I mean, this is really one of the most open I've ever really talked about it, but I've got way more. I want to help other people realize that happens to everybody. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It it sucks, but it's real, and you can you can get through that. So but you know why it sucks is that not enough people talk about it. I know. I grew up like you in a really small town. Therapy mm-hmm. wasn't a thing. Oh no! It was more like you got to pay the bills. Yeah. So therapy doesn't matter. You know, when you're trying to buy mamwich, there's not money for therapy, or even to know that mental illness is like a real life thing. And I'm not even mm. talking about mental illness. I'm just talking about any sort of therapy. Like it just. Yeah. So. I remember going and I was like, this is not my insurance. So I can actually go talk to someone. And yep. it was talking to someone who did not have a bias. Yes. That would call Zero you, judge zone. Call you not only on your crap, but also tell you when things were good. So you could trust both. Mm-hmm. And we're both in a position too, where we're in a creative space where if we're doing well, there are a lot of people telling us how cool we are. Mm-hmm. And it's, it gets harder and harder to separate. Yep. I wrote a, a, my new book that came out this week. I have a whole thing about trusting a certain few people that will tell you, you suck. Like everybody will tell you, you suck. But if you find the people that you trust to tell you, you suck, whenever they tell you that you do really good, mm. you can believe them. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. It's not hard to find somebody to tell you, you suck. Trust me. All I got to do is go to Facebook uh, right now. <laughs> oh, I know. And I got a thousand people telling me. And we naturally search for that stuff too. It falls right in our lap and we just mm-hmm. stare at it. And oh, people yeah. are loving us all around us, but we're looking at this little angry monster and in our focus lap. On that. And we're like, what's up? Well, you, can, glad you came to see me. Yeah. But if you find someone that can say, hey, I don't know about that. But then when they do say, oh, I do know about this, you trust that good because they're able to tell you whenever they feel it's not good. Mm. I found that with therapy. Then I've started to be able to find it with friends. Yeah. But I had to find it with me first. Before mm-hmm. it was anything else, I had to go in and trust the process a bit. A little yeah. jelly bead, a little trust. It was the process. Yeah. But therapy changed me. And listen, I'm still in my 30s. I'm single. I'm married. I got no kids. Like, I'm, I struggle with relationships and trust. I do. Yeah. And Brett just raised his hand, too. But, <laughs> but for me, it showed me that I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Before, I just didn't know. I couldn't, like, what's the problem? Why, why yeah. am I. Why? But now I see there's a struggle. And the yeah. first and best way to talk about this, and as you were saying these words, the words that I hear all the time, oh, yeah. because I read about it and I go to therapy, I'm like, oh, he's had some sort of oh, self-reflection yeah. in some way. And I like that, and I commend you for that. Yeah, well, same here. And I, I think I think it's it's up to you know each of us to, to try to get everybody to look at that and, and just say you're not crazy for going to get help from, or just tell, or even going through a friend or whatever. I mean... Doesn't you're have to normal. be normal. You're normal yes. to have this stuff. Totally normal. We, I mean, but nobody talks about it. Yep. So then you feel isolated and yep. alone when you're feeling these ways. I'm the only person that has this feeling. No, try hundreds of millions of people. Nobody's posting on Instagram, so it can't be real. Yeah, yeah. That's how <laughs> exactly. we end up feeling about because it. Because they don't. They, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I think uh, it's easy to focus on all those things, and then not, and so I got into the gratitude stuff. I don't know if you got into that at all, but that's also helped me. Have you know. Instead of focusing on the things, all the the bad things that you see or whatever, I got into the gratitude journals and stuff like that. So I, I saw you post that. Yeah, so, so I've been trying to share that a lot because uh, not only that, also has I also hold myself accountable to, to try to keep up with that. But so I got this I got this uh, journal called the Five Minute Journal. Um, I've done it in different ways, but I like this one, and it's, it's, I've, I've got tons of people to get it. Just just said this is a good one to try out. I've, it's not like I'm sponsored by a five minute journal or thing, but I just I like it. You you start your day. I read a lot of self help books. I try a lot of different things, 
but this one, you start your day, you, you name three things that would be, um, that would be, uh, would, would make to get today great. So I'd be like, okay, um, I want to, I want to help a stranger today or whatever, you know what I mean? Or I want to, I want to have a great talk with Bobby today at, at the, on the podcast, whatever it is, certain things that set your day where you might be worried or something and you're going to put yourself out there or whatever it is, or you might go outside your comfort zone or whatever it is, push yourself to go in and doing certain things and, and, and also say, okay, what, what great happened today? And you say, you know, I got, I talked to my brother for an hour on the phone or I called an old friend and talked to him or, or someone, uh, sent me a message that said, this really helped me through, this song really helped me through my life. Whatever it is, the simple things that you don't always focus on, you focus on the things that are bad, and that's really started to help me too. So a lot of these things all together, I guess, yeah, therapy, all those different things, it's, it's, it's a battle. You gain like little percents, you know, over weeks. The stock market. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny you talk about that. And, and listen, I can talk about this all day because you're in my zone. Like, yeah, I felt oh, like yeah. this is a spot I could just go. But we only have so much real estate up here. Mm-hmm. Time, first of all, in the day. Yep. And then in just our thoughts. We have so much real estate. Mm-hmm. And if we're investing that real estate into a positive X, that yep. means there's less time for a negative Y mm-hmm. to get in there. That doesn't mean Y is not knocking on the door. Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean Y is not going to come in and have dinner occasionally. Yep. But the more, and you talk about your journal, the more you can focus on those positive Xs. Mm-hmm. That just mathematically is the less time the negative Y can get in there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, maybe, did you post that today, the five-minute journal on your Insta story? I, I've been posting it almost every day. Uh, I just do it on my Insta story. Yeah, that's, when you said five-minute journal, I said, I just saw that. Yeah. I feel like from watching your Insta story, though, that I know you better than I do, which is weird. Mm. And I think we probably all have someone like that yeah. that we follow. And I think that's why I was compelled to reach out to you and go, hey, dude, I'm really proud for you. I know we probably hung out like an hour and a half in our life. Yeah. But like, I was really happy to see that show, and I could tell in your eyeballs that you appreciated that it was your headlining yeah. show. And it was in like Iowa, or Michigan, or wherever that show was. But I watched these Insta stories, and you're one of them where I go, my guy, I gotta know him. Yeah. Do I really? Maybe more than I did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you do a good job at effectively putting across your message. Mm-hmm. So and I try to do that. I- and I honestly, like, I mean, even like I said, I'm sharing more now than I probably ever have, even right now. But uh, for me, it's just, uh, yeah, I think I think if you really, I want to show more in, in social media and all that stuff. And I've always kind of been my, you know, goofing off self and stuff, but I also got the serious side too. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show just how, you know, ridiculously flawed i am and and uh, and trying not to just show all the great stuff you know and i think that's what we do as a culture we show a lot of the great stuff and you still want to show some of the great stuff because it really is great you know but also you know i, I think that it's helped it's helping me to definitely even right now to talk about it more and, and to and, and knowing that we you know hopefully this conversation we're having right now people can some way can be like oh well i thought i was the only one and there is because I feel like with us here, there's an empathy, not a sympathy. Yeah. There's an empathy, and there's a difference. And and you're absolutely right. Let me hear, so here's something that happened to me. So I go, and not to harp on this thing, but I write this first book like two and a half years ago, and mm-hmm. I think to myself, no one's going to understand it. Because my story is I come from a town of 700. Um, 
My mom was a drug addict and alcoholic. She had me when she was 16. She died in her 40s from uh, drugs and alcohol. I never knew my dad. But I'm talking about my mom, and I'm writing about these stories, and I'm not embarrassed of my story because I'm proud of where I come from, and I think I'm stronger because of the struggle that I've been through. And I think now I'm at the point where I can help people because of that. Mm. But I'm writing these stories, and I'm talking about some of the real dark times when I was Mm. dealing with addiction with my mom. And and I'm going, people are A, going to not care, or B, just I'm I'm gonna be the big sympathy bear, and I don't mm. want to be that. But I would I tell you, Brett, I would go and I would because I meet everybody at my shows. Mm. There'll be two thousand people there. Three, I'll meet every one of them if they want to hang around. Yeah, and they would come up, and it wasn't the, the crazy stories or getting fined a million dollars or the it was it was the hey, do you know what I actually related to? And it was the most personal, deep stuff about that I thought no one would understand. They weren't feeling sorry for me. They were actually empathizing with me. Yeah, and that's for me when I shifted. A bit of my narrative of, oh, I'm telling people this not so they feel toward me but with me and they can feel with other people. With other people. So as you talk about this, and I can tell it's new for you to talk about, oh, yeah. take it from me because I've been at it for about five years, like really getting it down. It, yeah. it really does help people. And yeah. you'll think at times you're yelling in a cave. You know, oh, yeah. like, oh, I don't even know if anybody's hearing this. But then you'll be somewhere in Modesto, California, and someone will yeah. come up to you and go, I just went through this with my, my brother or my mom, and it, because of your story, it helped me. And you go, yeah. that's why I did it. Well, and everybody sees... Good-looking Brett up here on the yeah, screen. Yeah, everybody <laughs> sees that person on the screen. They see you in the... And then, not that that isn't you, but there's so much more that... Uh, but you've got to try to live up to being yeah, the stoic guy in this like photo or whatever. And, and uh, you know what I mean? And, it, and I like to be that guy, but I like to be the guy that is goofing off on the side over there. Or, you know, maybe it was... You know, freaking out moments before that was, and I wasn't on that photo shoot, but there probably was one, you know, whatever. I'm usually pretty laid back at anything professional, I'm always, but you know, you bottle all those things up, you get worried about things that you don't tell anybody, then you're just gonna get worse. And then it's, it's, it really kind of hitting it head on has, has really helped, helped me with that a lot. Transparency too also connects mm-hmm. so hard. Even, we use the word flaws. But it's more so instead of a flaw, it's more of a normalcy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we have to say it as a flaw because I yep. do it too. It's like I'm super flawed. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm just super normal. Yeah. And That's I a great think point. if we start – and I'm going – I just – dude, I just finished a self-help book. I'm writing one, so I'm like – I'm totally in the head zone right now oh, because yeah. I've been studying it for such a long time. I think it's even how we address these things. Yeah. And just talking about them and in places where you go, oh, man, I'm really putting myself – you're actually just – being, being normal. normal, yeah. That's the being vulnerable is actually being freaking normal, human, which is crazy. It so, is. Anyway, I know we didn't come in here to talk about this, but um, that's good. I, I like it that I like where you're going because you're going to help people, and it's going to mm. feel weird sometimes, but you're really going to help people. Yeah, because I've, I've been able to. That's the most important. Luckily, right? the whole reason for my existence is for me to build a platform to help people. Yeah, like that's what I feel now at this point in my career. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a swim pool now. That's cool. But you know yeah. what? I get to help people. Yeah, and that's way cooler. Yeah, it's way freaking cooler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me talk about sleep number for one second. So if you've spent any time listening to me jibber-jabber, you probably have heard me talk about sleep number and how my sleep number bed has improved my sleep quality. Yes, so yes, it's true. My sleep number setting is a 30. That's right. Maybe you've considered a sleep number bed and thought to yourself, I don't know if I can afford this. But can you really afford another restless night's sleep? Before you do anything, 
Go to a Sleep Number store and experience the adjustable comfort for a limited time only. Queen mattresses start at only $5.99. The Sleep Number bed lets you adjust your mattress firmness or softness on each side whenever you like. It's the perfect bed for couples. You can actually feel how it contours to your neck, your shoulders, your back, your hips, and all the more proper spinal alignment. At a Sleep Number store, you can see the science behind your Sleep Number setting. and They have the individual fit pressure mapping technology. Nothing compares with finding your just right comfort and pressure relieving support. My Sleep Number setting is 30 Going now, the lowest price of the season, the final closeout of a Sleep Number Queen C2 mattress with adjustable comfort on both sides, $599.99. Visit sleepnumber.com slash bones to find the store near you. Okay, so you go out. Let's shift to the music for a second. You go out. What song is it when you hit it early? Like first couple notes. The crowd's like, oh, that's my jam. Like immediately. Uh, I go out. I think people, I, I play Don't You Pretty Early, and I think <clears throat> yeah, that probably... <laughs> Yeah, there it is. Probably, it's probably, that was in 2013 as my first number one. And it, but I feel like it's almost has a bit of, it's not like it's a class, older or anything, but there's a little bit of nostalgia. Like the kids that were listening to that in high school now or in the crowd and that they were in high school then and now they're a little bit older and that it kind of takes them back to that summer when they were listening to that song, whatever it is, that song always puts people in a great mood for a show. So I play it early, and uh, but they go. Oh yeah, this part I can just yeah yeah, and it you know I I wrote this song oh Chris DeSefano and Ashley Gorley and we sang the vo I I I wrote it in this little building on on Music Row and it's I think it's been flattened now it's totaled um, but DeSefano just got to town I think he just moved here and and. Uh, Gorley and I'd been singing demos for him for years, and of course he was having hits then. Now he's had eight hundred number ones or whatever. But uh, I did the vocal in the room that day, uh, the first time I ever done that. But it was so real, and it was, and we just nailed it like right there. We had that track, we had that song, um, and we just knew that this was something that could kind of get me out there because I had Raymond was my first one. Um, it was about my grandmother that had Alzheimer's. That went to number 23, which isn't terrible, but it's not going to get you to a crazy place. Um, then I have my second song. <clears throat> it's called It Ain't Gotta Be Love. It never even charted, I don't think. So you put out Raymond, then... It Ain't Gotta Be Love. I don't know It Ain't Gotta Be Love. No, no one does. Be... I don't think it's even online. Oh, really? Yep. Um, so that's got to be a downer, though, right? Like, you put out a song. It doesn't go number one, but it's your first song, and it does make the top 30. Yep. So you're feeling That's not like, terrible. Yeah, and you're feeling like, okay, like I'm in the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I might not have won that round. Yeah. But I'm in the game. But I'm in the game. But then you put out a second one, and it kind of yep. takes you back to earth, huh? Yeah. When I was, Espo, John Esposito, he just moved to Nashville. I was his first signing, and uh, I think it was 09. He runs Warner Brothers record, yeah. by the way. Yes. So I was thinking there, but um, he, he runs Warner, and uh, he just got to town. He had... He came from New York, you know, totally no natural experience, but a great music guy and a very smart music business guy. Shows up to town and and uh, we hit it off right away. And he just, I was his first signing, so we've always had this kind of family, um, you know, like we've been in this battle together from the beginning. And so he stuck with me. Some artists get two singles and they're gone, you know. He stuck with me and... 
And then I, I, got, I got almost pissed, not at anybody, but mad that I was doing something wrong or something because, you know, my, I, my sometimes if you sign a record, you're like, oh, I want my first song to be number one. And then it's going to take off and I'm going to be huge right away, overnight, you know? That's what you think because you're green at that point. You're just a new artist. No one has any reason to know you yet, but you think everybody should know or you want everyone to know that they think that you're great or whatever, you know, because that's what you've been striving for. So I put those two songs out. He sticks with me, and then I get kind of mad. I was back then. I was out of shape. I mean, I looked more like a like a like a bigger tight end or something. You know, I was a little more, bit athletic, but there was a little yeah. I was I was, I was chubbier, and 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 uh, I was I would just was uh, I didn't look like I cared as much, you know. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to take all the no's. Um, and I was having fun and everything. I just I. You know, I, I could have been healthier and I could have been, I could have been working harder or something. I'm always a perfectionist. That's uh, part of my reason why, you know, I'm always worried about stuff because I'm always wanting to be the best uh, of, of myself. Not really, it's more like an inner competition with myself. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to turn all the no's into yeses. So if somebody says, oh, and no one really said, hey, you're, you could be in better shape and your style could be better, but that's. That could be it. So I'm gonna go get and I, got, I went and got in good shape, and I and I I tried Someone to tell you to do that. They say, "Hey, Brett." No, no one said that. Really, no one did. But I but I just got so driven. It's like I don't want to get this close to making it, and never know what it's like to. So the main thing, but even beyond all that, it, 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 it probably could have worked without that. The main thing that worked for me was I just I got so driven to write as many songs that. I could really connect with and that's when I just got I started writing like two songs a day and that doesn't always work because then you're just writing songs but I was so driven in a way that was, I, I want to be heard I want to I want to get some songs to connect with people so I started writing with people that I didn't usually write with and uh, kind of outside my comfort group of writing and I started making these connections with people and I started writing really special songs like I wrote uh be the music, don't you? Mean to me, several of those songs within a pretty like a six month period. Once I really just kind of drove, and then I just started going and going, and and uh, yeah, just kind of started hitting. I was playing a songwriters round, and they bring me in to kind of be, you know, I play some dopey songs, I do some jokes, you know, it's, and I get to play luckily some pretty heavy songwriter rounds because mm-hmm. people are like, oh, it's my bones. Um, but I know my place too. And I tell some jokes, play a minute and a half. But I was playing with Heather Morgan. Yep. And she, and you guys have written and, and oh, yeah. had some songs. So what have you guys done together? Beat of the Music, Lose My Mind. Beat uh, of the Music, Lose My Mind. And now my single right now, Love Some. Oh, is that right? Yeah. She played Beat of the Music. Yeah. And she was talking about you. That's three songs. So. Is she in the Brett Eldridge camp? We have camps here. Oh, yeah. Is she in the camp? Like, if it's like, a, we have sort of a new project, we're going to start writing for it. Do you call Heather? Heather Morgan has more songs on my record than any other writer on my new record. She had five songs. So, so how did you guys get to be you two, though? Like, this this team that writes together? Yeah. Um, Ross and Heather and I, we... Ross Copperman, producer, yeah, songwriter. Yeah. yeah. We, who I wrote, we wrote... All the songs that we wrote with Heather have been singles together. <clears throat> um, she, she and Heather Ross and I, we were all kind of coming up together 
uh, as songwriters. I remember we were there was the ASCAP Awards one night. We didn't get to go to the ASCAP Awards. We thought we'd get to go to the after party. We were all, I don't even know if we all had publishing deals or not. I think I just got maybe a publishing deal or was working on it, and they were working on it. Um, and uh, we we didn't, we got kicked out of the after party because we, we weren't a, we were on a list. or You weren't know, cool enough yet. Yeah, so yeah. we went over and we threw a, we didn't throw a party. We just went into the, the publisher that I was just signing with. They had this old kind of dated kitchen, which is now Shakti Yoga. Oh, it, yeah, on Music Row. Yeah, yeah it was uh, the fa- it was old famous publishing, and then it became a uh, uh, couple other companies. But anyways, we went in there, and uh, they had like an old bottles of tequila. And uh, back then, you know, I was just I was like twenty, early twenties. Um, and so we had like there was a bottle old bottle of tequila, and it had the worm in the bottom. You know, <laughs> we were, uh, and so we went there and we had a couple drinks of that really cheap crappy tequila talked about how we wish we were at that party but at least we're doing this and then we we just kind of bonded and the next thing you know we started writing eventually and it it, uh we just kind of had that connection of knowing somebody when they were at the very not very bottom but at the early stages when they didn't have anything and known and sharing that same thing with that person is is the most powerful thing to make you inspired to to get success with that person and and celebrate it together. It's like the freshman class. Yeah. You go in together yep. and you may not listen, you're not in kindergarten. I mean you're yep. in freaking ninth grade or you're a freshman in college, but then mm. you're about to go through this whole new world together. Yep. And now just for reference for people listening to this, Heather's got multiple number ones. Great singer too, by the way. Oh amazing. Ross Kaufman went songwriter of the year last year. I think maybe two years. Yeah. So I mean, and here you are with all these number ones. I mean, so you're talking about in this five-year period yep. or so, you go from, you can't even get in the after party, much less the, the, the awards. You can't oh, yeah. get in the after party to all three of you guys yep. actually come into some sort of ascension there. Yep. And that's pretty cool when you can do it together. Yep. And you can actually, at times, ride each other up yep. and help each other. Because what I've realized through working with my friends, because I've hired all my friends. My whole show, mm-hmm. they're just my friends. Yep. And they're all fantastic people, which is why they're so good at what they do. But there are times when I'm struggling and I can grab Amy and she'll just take me right up with her. Mm-hmm. Or, if, or if, you know, Eddie's struggling, we, we take each other up and it's cool yep. to have those people. Yep. And that's what it's about. It really is. You start to think for a minute it's about trophies and about number ones. But then once you go, huh, well, like, what is this really? Yeah, it's like when the circus leaves town and, and it's all gone and all that's left is, you know, streamers and trash and everything. Who's still there? Standing next to you, and you know what I mean. Like that's that's the most powerful thing. So you have this second song, and it bombs out. Yep. And that was then the, when I got to Warner. Are you done in your mind? No, no, no. You know, I, I, I was, I was far from done. You know, at that point, some would say, yeah, but I, I, I just felt, you know, and I, I will say that I had a lot of great, you know. Like my manager, he was uh, my attorney. He left his management gig to to uh, to manage me, or he left his, his attorney gig to, to manage me, and just dropped all of that and just took a bet on me. My my day to day manager came from Atlantic, the record side, to to come work with me. My parents and my brother moved to town. Um, my brother's my business manager. Back then, he wasn't even my business manager. He was just helping me 
my business manager with me and like all these different things, all these people came around and were supporting me. Um, and, and so I was, I just, I was just like, I just need some time to, to get this right. And like I said, you know, some artists don't get that much time. And it's not like it was a really long time, but I needed a, a minute of like, Hey, don't, don't give up on me. Just, just watch what I'm going to do kind of thing, you know? And people that, that know I've got more in, and you still need those people, you know, a hundred number ones or whatever it is, or, or all the success and all these things. You still need those people pushing you and, and being there for you when you reach certain accolades. Otherwise, you know, you're going to stop. <laughs> what do you think about Nashville? What do I think about it? Yeah. Um, it's different from what I, I mean. I've been here for, I moved here in 06. So I got here, I was going to MTA, I transferred from Elmhurst College um, in Chicago. <clears throat> I got, and I went to MTSU, and then I would drive back and forth to Nashville every single day. From, wow. From Murfreesboro. Every day. I like it. That's, a, yeah. that's like an hour, depending on traffic. Yeah, it depends on, yeah, yeah. it'd be an hour, 40 minutes to an hour, it just depends on the day. So what I would do is I'd go to class, um, and I, would go, I was like, I'm going I'm to finish where I started. I'm moving to Nashville to be a musician, to be a singer. Even before songwriter, I was going to be a singer. I didn't even know how to write songs, really. So I moved. I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to be a singer, but I'm going to finish school. I've got two years left. I'm going to do all this. So I go. I drive to Nashville. I'd sleep on a friend's couch. I would take guitar lessons, or I would write with random people. Um, and then I'd drive back. I'd go to class, and I would. I started getting this relationship with the teachers that they were the. I'd be like, I. I really want to do well in class, but my what my dream is to be a singer. So I would literally bring in demos and play. And like almost all my teachers were very supportive of my music to the point where, like, I, they knew they would stay after class and help me if I wasn't getting something because they knew I, I was putting a lot of time on that. But I really cared about getting the class, getting through the class. And I, I, I went and sang it. Uh, like one of my teachers, uh, what was it? Uh, like morning. Uh, I don't know what it was, like almost like a church group or I don't remember what you call it, Kiwanis, whatever, one of those things. I developed the relationship with these people because they really cared, which is great, you know, to have teachers like that. And I, I'm such a supporter of, of education and teachers, but they they stuck with me. And so I, when I was supposed, so eventually I got a publishing deal before, right before I graduated to write songs. I learned kind of about songwriting within a couple of years and then I signed a publishing deal right before I was supposed to walk on graduation. And I was playing at Key West, that songwriter festival, when I was supposed to be walking. So it kind of just, from that moment, I was in it. I've never, I still have those dreams all the time that I didn't finish college because I didn't have closure on the fact that I didn't, didn't walk. walk and get the diploma. You know, you know that feeling like, yeah. like even with high school or whatever it is, I get those dreams all the time that I, that I didn't study for this giant test I'm about to fail or whatever. Well, I got my I got my diploma somewhere. I still have no idea where it is. I should probably hang it up next to my awards because that's just just as important. But uh, even if I don't ever use it, at least I finished it. But then I I signed the publishing deal, grinded around, and yeah, the, like I love I still love Nashville. It's just so different from what it was then. I mean, you you learn for one the music business side. You learn so much more about the music business back then. It's like seeing Disney World and 
don't get me wrong i still love the music business i love uh, there's certain things i don't love about it obviously there's, I mean, there's all of us don't love all the aspects about it but you know that's like seeing disney world and then then once you really dive into the music business you see all the all the things behind the curtains and all the you so know Mickey that, without the, his head yeah like, yeah oh oh yeah this is what so you grow up pretty quick in that and uh and i and this town's been amazing for me it's just it's just it's for one it's grown like crazy it's different but i think it's still it's still got you know some of the i still it's still got the community that it's it's different you know we don't we don't go in and record demo sessions the same way we used to everything's always going to change no matter what line of business the way things are done, it has changed. As long as you're good with adapting with from that, it might take a minute to get used to that change. But you're it's like used bones to it. at a concert. Yeah, you, that was not a, that. Was, I mean, it sounds like I was touring eight hundred years it. ago. But when I first started, you didn't see that many phones. And back I mean, when I was first touring, yeah, back, back in two thousand ten, the Pony Express <laughs> would bring it. Yeah. So. But I still I, there's still a magic in 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 Nashville, and and uh, I still. You know, look at the the city skyline and think this is a this is a magic place. And I and I and I still see myself as a kid driving through here, going to Destin, Florida on vacation, seeing you know the Batman Tower and thinking how cool and mad. that's Music City. That's that's what I'm. You know, I'm a I'm a music kid. <laughs> you know that that like encapsulates who i am in some way i don't even know what i've never even gone down broadway but i see that and i think there's something magic about it then you get and you eventually get to see it and and uh it's gone pretty well yeah it has gone pretty well let's run through a list of these songs real quick yeah so let's see let's up first why don't we hit a little uh raymond that we mentioned earlier yes here's the first thing she calls me raymond she thinks i'm her son here is don't you I can see you move a little closer closer girl I gotta get to get to know you know you everything about you makes me want you want you know what you're doing baby don't you don't you be to the music right here Mean to me. Like jam after jam, man. Oh, man. Lose my like mind. This. You know this song. I remember when you came in with this song. You came in the studio, and it was the first. I think we premiered it on the show. You did. It was the. And I was like, man, that song's a freaking jam. I remember coming in and playing it for you. I remember you and saying I, that you were the. I won't compliment something if I don't really feel great about. It. I'll go, yeah. hey, how about that? Yeah. And he's like, look at you. Yeah. How about that? You made a new song. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> but I won't say. Look what you did there. Yeah. Look what you, you made music. Look at you with that music thing you did. Sounds. Sounds. But this song to me was such a jam when you brought it in. Man. Yeah. It's, it's this one's really fun to play live. People literally lose their mind just because it's kind of a really bottled up energy that. It's so fun to play live. Drunk on your love. Is this yes. one? I'm good at singing this one. This one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Want to be that song? I want to be that song. Gets you high, makes you dance, makes you fall. Let me talk about 
this uh, the long way here because yeah. of all of your songs, this was my favorite, just pure song. Like yeah. it made me feel something. Yeah. And this wasn't a number one song. Yeah. But number it's, two. It's funny how this yeah. happens, and this is my this one's my favorite. The long way right here. Take me the long way around your town. Did you write this one? Uh huh. Okay. You're you're saying these words, and I'm going. Good God, like, this is how I feel. This is how I feel that I want to feel one day. Like, that's that's the perspective I write. It's how I feel that I want to feel. And you're singing this, and I'm going, oh, I understand the words he's saying. And that doesn't happen to me with a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. But when I heard this song, I go, oh, I want to feel like, that's exactly how I feel I want to feel. Yeah. And I know it didn't hit number one, but at this point, who cares? I don't really, yeah. yeah. It, right, but I'm just letting you know. As a songwriter, it's hard to really touch. There's only been a couple of songs in my life where I go, "Oh, I get, I get that." Yeah. Not, not just sing along, but I kind of feel it, like in your your ribs. Yeah. This was one of them, man. Man. Like it really was, and you well, know, we're in the land of hearing all the songs all the time. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I, you know, and I think that you you hit it on the the head of yeah. Even if you're not feeling that, you want to feel that. I mean, everybody has that longing for a connection of that, and yeah, I've, I'm a single guy too, and 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 that's how I write. Loves. I think I, I'm almost kind of scared when I actually do fall in love. Like, will my love songs be as good? Because I write from a standpoint of this is how I feel love, I, how I picture it and how magic it can be. And I know it can be magic. I mean, I know it. I know it's a real thing. But how when I'm writing a love song, I'm I'm describing you know what I what I feel like I would love to have. Which with the long way, it's you know I I want to get to know. You know I, I, the heart of a person and in a more depth way of, of seeing all the stuff that you know somebody might not ask him about and like and you want to want to get to know yes does that make sense like there's a, yes. to me i would hear it and i go oh that it's not what i it's what i want to want yes but that song like that's one of the few over the last five or six years in my little run here where i go oh man like that kind of I feel that one. So yeah. if well, thanks, I, if man. there was a BCM like a Bobby Country Music Award, you would yes. get that. That yeah. that was a good one That's, there. Hell yeah. Uh love someone. Here's this song right here. This is this is doing right now. Yes, Brad, just put it out. Tell me about this one. What's that? Tell me about this one. Yeah, I you know, I wrote this with Ross and Heather, uh-huh. which we have a way of writing. I think our kind of our wheelhouse is writing these feel-good kind of songs like this, beat of the music, you know, uh, lose my mind. But this is kind of in that beat of the music kind of vein kind of song where it's it just feels good. I, you know, I, I came off Want to Be That Song, Into the Long Way, and I, I felt like I wanted the right song for the moment. It was this, you know, when I, when we were cutting this album, I knew I wanted to get this song out um, because I, for one, I love to I love certain songs that just feel great when you sing them live, and I love songs where you turn it on, you don't have to think about it too much, you just know that's going to make you smile, it's going to make you feel good, and it and I think feel good connects with a lot of people, when, especially when it has some when it has heart to it. I feel like this one has heart to it. You don't have to think about it a lot, and I just I just I uh, woke up one morning, I literally um, I woke up and I. I was like, hey, Alexa, play Love Someone. I was trying to pick pick a single, which is the worst experience sometimes when you're trying to decide between songs. Um, because you're so in the middle of all of it. Yeah. Like it's hard to... Yeah, and you're picking a song that you're 
hopefully going to be singing for decades mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? So you want to love it. So I told Alexa, I said, play Love Someone. And I just laid there in bed for a minute. I just, I felt good. And you get, you get a, you get a feel in your heart, like, uh, you got to feel really good in your heart that, that, uh, with the song you're releasing, like, you don't have any regret. And I, and I remember playing, telling Alexa to play it. And I heard it and, uh, it was between that and another song. And, uh, and I just, it was, it was the one simple as that. And people love it live and, and the crowd is a, one of the, probably the most favorite live songs. And that's not a single. It's definitely a smiley face song. Yeah. Those songs I feel like when you hear it, yeah. you just go, Oh, I feel good. Yeah. You don't yeah, have like, to overly think about I it. I feel good about that. I look at you with all the songs and, all the, crazy. the beard and yeah dude so I got, dude, i've never only one time i've never had my beard in my career um since i i mean i had like a really short beard when i first started but was want to be that song video it was the first time i didn't have a beard in years i i shot all the stuff of playing my original self in the music video with my beard and everything and then we shaved my beard completely and i i mean i yeah, people it looked were, weird. People it were so freaked out. It looked weird. It's so well, weird. It, it, only because it, it is. Just, I, I mean, it's a character. I only know you as a beard. Yeah. Or, so if or, everybody only knows you, yes. it's like if your friend completely shaves their head or something, you'd be like, I don't know who that person is. I mean, you can literally, a person can literally change, in your mind, their personas completely change if they change their beard. And then they eventually get used to that and it becomes normal. Of course, I wasn't going to stay with that because I liked the beard because <laughs> it was weird. I looked like I was... 12 but um i've always had the beard other than that video and i scared a lot of people and and uh but it was fun look at you how what are you, how tall are you six almost six five like six four and a half when did you stop growing uh i started growing like uh into sophomore junior into junior year of high school so like i was i was playing basketball baseball football and then i quit football and basketball, I think after the sophomore year, I quit basketball. I think football after freshman because I hadn't, I didn't get big yet. Then I got big, and I was I was a pretty good athlete, but I got big, and and so I'd already quit those. I still played baseball four years, and uh, I was like, I'm just gonna stick with the music thing. I still love to play sports and everything, but you know, I, I didn't have the height till later. I'm throwing out the first pitch at the Cubs game in a few weeks. Are you serious? So I'm a diehard Cubs fan too. Like my, I knew that. My That's whole a, life. Yeah. I saw you wearing a Cubs hat like maybe yesterday or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm so yeah. I'm, Have you done it yet? I haven't because I haven't been cool enough. And not that I'm cool now, but people think I'm cooler now. Yep. I'm no cooler. I just now have more accolades. Yeah, yeah. So the people will go, oh, he must be cool. That's how it always works. Right. So they, all of us. they've invited me to come and throw out the first pitch. And so I'm going to go up. But, but like I'm a fan from... Like my favorite player ever is Mark Grace. Mine too. Yeah, number, number seventeen. 17. Yeah, <laughs> well, we've been friends. <laughs> we just go best friends. Yeah, we've, uh, so Mark Grace, but I mean, for me, it was like Mark Grace, Ryan Sandberg, Sean Dunstan, Vance oh, yeah. Law, the da- Damon Berryhill. You know, Joe Girardi was catching. Yep. I mean, I can run through all the lineups, even yep. Leon Durham before yeah, Mark oh, Grace. God. Like, I'm hardcore awesome. Chicago Cubs fan, and so. It was kind of cool watching another Chicago Cubs fan that I know get to experience it because that's your Man. hometown. That's your home oh. team. And when they won the World Series, like I skipped the CMAs. You went. Oh, yeah. I skipped and watched it at home. Um, but you went and skipped the CMAs yeah. to go to the game. That was a big like, – Best feeling I, ever. It, wasn't that a cr- – best, best decision of my life, I would say. I went to game five, and they lost. Yeah. Game four, game five. Whatever. It was at Wrigley, game five, and they lost. 
Um, still the greatest experience. Wrigleyville, you couldn't even walk. In, in the stadium, you couldn't walk. And everyone was bumping at each other, but it was the happiest bump ins. It was like, yeah. hey, sorry uh, about uh, that. We're in the World Cricket Series. <laughs> it's been 1945, so we've even been yeah. here. It's Wasn't it awesome? It was magic, man. I, and I, I, uh, I'll send you a clip of it. I don't know if I ever posted it or not, but my. So I got to bring my dad. I literally. Um, I, I was supposed to do something for the awards. I can't remember, but I, I had this really nice, like Tom Ford tux or whatever, like something really nice for the show. All this stuff picked out. Uh, uh, we win game six or whatever. And I'm like, there's, I, I call my manager and everybody like, there's no way I'm not going to this game. I don't care what I, you know, I, uh, my whole, my grandfather, all those people would be rolling their graves right now thinking, that I'm not going to this game. I hope it's part of, you know, who I am. And, and, and uh, so I got to call up my dad and say, I don't know what you got going on, but you're going to the Cubs game and, and my brother. And uh, we all got on a plane. I hung up the, the tux in the, in the uh, closet and I put on a, one of those old, like uh, shiny light blue Cubs jackets and, and went up to, to Cleveland, and you got to do it with your family. Yeah, and that was crazy. My so my Cubs history comes from my stepdad and his dad, and you know I didn't have a dad until I got you know sixth, seventh grade or so as a stepdad. Yep. But you know, in my family, like I've never told another human that I loved him. Like I have these issues, therapy issues. But mm. my, my mom, we didn't have a communication, we didn't talk. But my stepdad came into my life and was a big influence on me, and was the first real stable thing that I had. In seventh, sixth, seventh grade, right? And so, yeah. I he was a huge Cubs fan too. And I said, "Hey, the first thing, I, first time when I started making any money at all, I said, hey, 'Hey, we're going to go.' He'd never been to Wrigley Field, so we went to Wrigley Field, and it was the coolest. First of all, it was the coolest thing for me to get yeah. to take him. It was the coolest thing for him, and it was the only time we've ever hugged each other. Really? And it, yeah. And you still, that's always absolutely. And the yeah. reason. And you can go back layers, but the reason that we hugged is because of the Cubs, which is because of sports, which is because of the bond. Yeah. I mean, and that is really one of the things that I associate. That's a cr- only time was oh. after the Cubs game. And you'll never forget that. Never forget it. Talking about you, when you say, you know, you, you, you get your day, like, I'm going, oh, yeah, well, I, yeah, like, I totally get it. That's so wild. Isn't it crazy? The, and, I mean, Wrigley Field has that certain magic about it. And just, but, yeah, I think baseball, you know, I if you break sports down, you don't you don't want to overthink it. But you know, with sports like with baseball, especially, I think the the fact that it has so much history to it and the and the classic nostalgia of it, there's some kind of magic to it. I feel like you tie all that in, you tie in passion or somebody something that they're really passionate about like that, and you could share that with somebody. That's that's there's something really special about that. And also and, losing with people for a long time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. You hit it on the head with that. Like eighty nine, ninety eight. Like, there are only a couple years in our lives as Cup fans where we got to experience any sort of winning at all. Not even a championship. Like, for, for those that aren't sports fans, 1908 was the last year. When Brett talks about his grandfather, his grandfather probably didn't get to watch a Cubs victory. Oh, yeah. His oh, whole no. life, his there whole was life. no Cubs World Series. No. They were the longest professional American team to not win a championship in any sport ever. Yep. And so, you know who your people are when you can lose with them. Yep. Like, that, you can win with anybody. And I'm talking about, this is a metaphor for life, too. Mm-hmm. You can have number ones with anybody. Mm-hmm. That's the easy part. Yep. Who are you going to be with when the song is tanking out? Yep. When it doesn't even chart? That's being a Cubs fan. That's yep. going through all the tank songs, through all yep. the years. And then finally, 
you got that number one. There it is. That was, and it's oh. that much, and it's that much sweeter. And now people are like, Joe Madden sucks. Shut up. Yeah, oh, I know. Get, shut up. Yeah, yeah. Let me, look at this. We've been, how long have we been talking? 106. An hour and six minutes. Jeez. Look at that. We just might as well date. How long do we have? Now, wait, infinity. I, um, I got on um, Bumble today. Yeah. Terrible. I got no match. Is it rough? Well, Mike met his girlfriend on Bumble. Yeah. It's his birthday. Really? Too. We were talking about it on the show this morning. It's your birthday, too? It yeah. is. Dude, happy birthday. That's how Thank I came you. Up. And then, yeah. I got. Do you get on this stuff? I'm not on Bumble. I got on I'm, Raya, too. Yeah, I've been on that. It's even worse. It's, it, the, it's, it's, a simu- it's like a it's like a video game or something weird. I don't know. The weirdest thing for me is I get on Raya and. People are. I see people from here in town, and I'm uh-huh. like, "Well, this is awkward." Because now, if we I don't know if, like, if, you, if you match with them, if we like, don't match, or if we yeah. do match, do, do I have to pick them? Yeah, yeah. But I think I'm about to get off. I don't think I'm going to stay on this thing. I, I, I feel like I mean, I mean, then there's great stories where now they're a happy couple and everything, and then you know a lot of people meet on there. And then there's also the fact that you just sit there and you stare at screaming and you start believing all these false. You know certain things or whatever. It's 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 weird. Here, don't you don't have to say who it is. I'm going to show you one of these the person I saw today, and I was like, "Huh." And then you see him in public, and do you bring it up? You yeah, know, that's the moment. <laughs> Here, let me find it. So this is you. I'm sure you'll know who this is. I, I bet I will too. No, I'm for sure you'll know who this <laughs> is. Yep. So I see her, and I'm like, "Well, what if she sees me on this thing?" Yeah. And then we see each other. Do you bring it up? Like, yeah. hey. Saw you on the date. <laughs> saw you on the, <laughs> saw the, you on the dating app. I mean, I, I feel like anybody that's single is on a dating app. Do of you some though? Because I've never been on one until now. I just got, uh-huh. and, and I don't do everything, so I got on all of them. Like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> let me sign up for nine and then yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, I, mean, I, I don't know. But I, I feel like at some certain, I mean, nowadays, which is so strange. I mean, can you imagine like, our, even our parents or any any, well, any generation about ten years ago because it didn't exist, you know. Seeing this stuff and be like, what in the world is this? But, um, but I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. It is. Get busy living or get busy dying. The same thing we're yeah. talking about the whole time. Either right. get with it or it's going to yeah, run you say, over. You might as well just go. Uh, however it. you find it, you find it. That's right. Well, and, listen, uh, man, it, listen, listen, listen. We've we've said a lot here. Yeah, it's been good. I've, it's I've really been, good. I've enjoyed that. We we've always talked about playing racquetball against each other, and I feel like we're we both isolate ourselves in our tiny circles and we don't oh, get yeah. out of our circles. Both of us. Let's do it. Let's make the pack now. Then we're going out. We're going outside of our zones. Yeah, I Why think we I? probably should. I haven't played in a long time. I haven't either. I mean, I, like years, you, years. Yeah, well, we can be, pick a different sport. No, no, no. <laughs> I think that's the one that we both are probably <laughs> equally away from and sucking. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that we 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 probably could be friendish. Agree. Yeah, I mean, we're both kind of odd. Oh yeah. I'm probably a little odder. Oh, no. But, yeah, I think... That, well, listen, I had a, it's a good talk. I feel like I've, I feel yeah, like I've learned here, a lot man. about you. Same here, brother. Uh, so, anyway, Brett, you're probably, if you hear this, uh, it's June 25th uh, when this is going up and we're cutting this. But th- these things last for years and years. But I'll say this. His latest current song is called Love Someone. He probably has 10 number ones since then. You probably listen to this in 2030. That's right, in space. Yeah, yeah this is You're in Mars. In- and you get on your jetpack and just play it, you know. It's in the Eldridge Museum right now. Yes, that's right. And they're playing <laughs> this back over the speakers. Oh, man. But uh, congratulations on your success, man. Thank you, bro. Same to you, my friend. I had a, uh, great- Congrats on your new book, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how about that? I wonder, I asked for sales number. You boy. 
Do you, do you look at record sales? Like, oh, of course. God you can't not. I mean, Lee. it's it's hard. I think you look and then you try to not look, but you're always gonna. You'd be lying if no one doesn't I ju- look. I yeah. just got the numbers. And how'd you do? Here's the thing. See, I don't know how bo- you know. I don't right. know how books okay. work. So, so, um, I'll com- I'll just compare it. To- so nowadays, if you sell, I mean, a big record week would be in your mind. What now? Uh, God, I don't know now. It used to be like, listen, in 2002 is a million. Oh, now, yeah. if somebody does a hundred thousand, that's a huge. That's week. huge. Yeah, if you do like, I'd say like sixty-five to eighty. So I had be- mine compared to album sales because my first oh, yeah. book did well. It was a bestseller yeah. for four weeks. And I was like, ooh. And they say sequels never – it's not – my second book's a self-help book. It's not a, it's not a story book. Yeah. But it's not the same, but it's still me. You know, it's still yep. pretty idiotic. Um, so my second book actually did better than my first book. So if it were comparable to record sales, they broke it down. It would be if I were to sell 130,000 records week one, which is really freaking good, especially for someone like me who's yeah. not – I'm not a good writer. Yeah. But I think I write much like you do with your song. I think I write – to and for my people. Mm-hmm. I don't try to write above them because yeah. I'm not above them. Yeah. And if I try to write above them, I'm they're trying gonna, to fake something. They're going to see it right. Yeah, yeah. They'll call you out on it right Absolutely. away. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, just, I mean, as we were talking, I just saw a text and I was like, So, oh. what you, so it was equivalent to 130? It was. It was bigger than, than the first week. Yeah. Was, That's awesome. Congrats, really good. dude. Thanks. Appreciate that. Wow. Um, love someone. Brett Elder's latest song. Uh, if you're on Mars, thank you for listening. And, <laughs> yes. Until next time, my friend, and this has been episode. Let me thank our sponsors, LifeLock, and let me thank our sponsor, also Sleep Number. And uh, thank you very much, Brad Eldridge, episode 127. Until next time, everybody. Yes.